This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the 100 bucks is Rhett Gillins. He's in the restaurant industry and he feels stuck. He wants to start his own software business. So congratulations, Rhett, for your guys' chance to win 100 bucks every Monday morning. Simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now in order to enter and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove that you subscribed. Coming up tomorrow morning, guys, you're going to hear from Vincent Harris. He started in his dorm room and now he is Rand Paul's internet army and is doing over 1.3 million in revenue. Okay, Top Tribe, good morning, good morning. You're gonna like my guest today. Her name is Ida Tin and she's the co-founder and CEO of Clue, the world's fastest growing period tracking and fertility application. Clue has more than 2 million active users in over 180 countries and is one of the most popular apps in the health and fitness category, not only in the US, but in Germany, France, Mexico, and many, many others. Many women love and trust Clue because it's accurate, fast, and easy to use. Ida, are you ready to take us to the top? Sure. Okay, let's jump in and get started. First off, what is Clue exactly? And then walk us through how you guys generate revenue. So we don't generate revenue. I think that's the first thing to, to say. Um, we have a lot of ideas of how we will generate revenue, but we have made the strategic choice to focus on growth for now. Um, so the app is a very simple app. It helps users keep track of their menstruational health. Um, which is not only your actual periods, but also your mood, your pains, your sex drive, and many other things. Um, it's very easy to use. Um, you can put your data in there very fast, and it gives you a good um, overview of what's going on in your body. So you mentioned that um, you're not making any revenue right now, but I can hear a team in the background, which means you have costs. Did you guys raise capital? Yes, we have raised $10 million till date um, from... Um, Union Square Ventures and other very good investors. Um, so we are kind of a, a traditional, um, I guess, Silicon Valley tech startup that we're based in Berlin, um, focusing on growth and, um, and providing a lot of user value as we go um, and thinking that when we have um, a big user base, we can start figuring out how to monetize. And as I said, we have a lot of quite concrete ideas and how we think that could happen. Well, Ida, I want to jump into some of those ideas, but this is not your first run kind of into the entrepreneurial scene. I know back in 1999, you were focused on kind of the crystal glass jewelry industry. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. My very first startup was um, doing jewelry in London. Um, and then since then, I have uh, had a motorcycle touring company. Um, so I've done motorcycle tours all over the world. Uh, and published a book and various other things. But this is my first um, high growth startup. So that's exciting and kind of a different breed, I'd say, from so, what I've done before. Yeah, so you went from kind of jewelry design to motorcycles to fertility app. I don't know that I've ever had a guest on, and I've had a lot of really smart people on that have had such kind of edge experiences. How do you decide what you're going to get involved in? So actually, there's a lot of parallels from the life I had on my motorcycle and doing the motorcycle tours to running this kind of startup. Um, there's a lot of, um, say, 
you have to be quite courageous, I think, in many ways. And riding the motorcycle alone through the desert for two years definitely was a good training ground for doing what I'm doing now. So though they seem very different, I feel I'm using a lot of my kind of core strength. Um, Which is what? Which is what? I think it is living very well with unknowns um, and being ready to jump into the deep end and learning to swim as I go. I think learning fast is one of the things I'm good at because I'm always new in my job in some sense. So what to, to walk us through, um, why did you decide to stop the motorcycle stuff and start Hello Clue? And then let's dive deeper into, into kind of Clue and, and some of the uh, growth opportunities. I was, I was kind of coming towards the end of my 20s and I was really puzzled why nobody had come up with a modern and data-driven innovation to help women manage their reproductive health and family planning. Um, I looked into a lot of patent databases because I thought, well, maybe there has been some great innovation that just hasn't made it to market. Um, but everything I found was about putting hormones into the body. Um, and I thought, but hold on, if you know exactly where you are in your cycle, you can then use a condom those couple of days where you can get pregnant and not worry about it the rest of the time. So it really started with, the, with, with me kind of having that need and then figuring out that many, many women have a similar need because only 30% of women in Europe and America is actually on hormonal birth control. So that was the starting point, trying to solve something that seemed a re like a really, really foundational and major issue for many, many women across the globe. So how did you get your, again, you self-funded, well, you raised capital, I mean, but how did you get the initial money to build the app, design it, get it coded? So first we started living very, very cheaply, so that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, get by with very little money for a while. And then we raised money from our network. So angel investors that put in a little bit of money. Um, but I will say we founded the company five people. Um, so we were basically out of money the day we founded the company. So we went straight into fundraising mode and were successful in finding other angels that want to invest and those angels kind of grew in, in, in the ticket sizes grew and they grew in their experience level and in their kind of professionalism. Um, so did you, Ida, just to be clear, how much did you raise when you five decided to start the company on day one? How much had you guys raised from angels? 50,000 euros. Okay. And, uh, and those angels, did you make, was it a convertible note and you just kind of let the note roll so you could add on additional angels? Yes. Yes. It was exactly like that. Um, and that went until we had raised, hmm, I'd say about a million euros, maybe. And then we did our first kind of financing round, a uh, price round. Um, and then we got um, some super angels on and the last angel put in a million euros. So a pretty big um, yeah. angel. Um, and then from there, we went to, to VCs. When you did your first priced round at, again, a pre-revenue company, help us understand how you negotiated valuation. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's a tricky thing to do, no matter how much revenue or whatever you have. I mean, when you look at the tech community, that's, you know, valuations are not set by revenue. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a negotiation. Why do, you, why, do you say, why do you say that valuations aren't set by revenue? I mean, I, you know, in the SaaS space, my last company, you know, when we were raising capital, I mean, there was a pretty, there was a pretty baseline formula in terms of yeah. software as a service revenue, top line multiplied times the, you know, 12 months multiplied times like a yeah. six to 11 X, like top line multiple. That's true. But then some of the very big ones like, you know, LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and all the other ones, you know, those valuation, I don't think you can say it's based on revenue. 
Well, so again, help us understand those conversations when you were negotiating revenue. I mean, what metrics did you use to try and drive your valuation higher if that was your goal? Um, yeah, sure. It was our goal. Um, well, to be honest, you know, they'll say number, we'll say number, and you'll argue with all the things you can think of arguing with. And in the end, um, you you end up some number. And is that number like a truth or an objective number? Definitely not. Well, how many um, users, this might be a better question. How many users did you have of, have of the app when you did your Series A? Um, let's see. Actually, throughout that conversation, as and from we have time term uh, signed term sheet till we actually got the money on the bank account, our user base had maybe doubled. So that was a very, you know, that was a moving target. And that was also part of the conversation. Like, look at our growth. You know, that that was a good, that was a good argument. Um, so when you got you the money in your bank again, give us a sense of size. How many downloads had you had? You guys had. So we have about um, approaching three million active users right now. And how do you define an active user? So that's a user that will come back to the app um, at least a month, which is a good matrix for us, given that a woman have her period once a month, roughly. Um, But most users are way more active than once a month. So you have 3 million that are using the app at least once per month. Many of them are way more active. Yeah. Okay, cool. And that was then? We had about half a million downloads last month, for instance. So that's a... Okay. And it's or, now no, actually, almost 700,000, I think, or eight. It was actually very high. Well, yeah. congratulations. That's exciting. I want to talk about how you're driving that growth. So in December, then, you, you, are you, I mean, are you, guys ab- you, are you guys above a million monthly active users at this, or sorry, above like 5 million monthly active users at this point? No. So we are, we're just approaching three, mm-hmm. um, which is... Um, it's a big number, Ida. It's, it's pretty good. I mean, I think, you know, the potential is definitely much, much bigger. I feel we've, we know, we're just getting started here. <laughs> so let's see. Let's talk again in a year. Okay, Top Tribe, do not forget your chance to win 100 bucks right here on the podcast every Monday. It's very simple. You just subscribe to the show on iTunes. And then once you've done that, text me to prove that you've done it. My number is 703 431 2709. Subscribe now and text me to enter. 703-431-2709. Top Tribe, one of my favorite tools that I use to pump out great blog content and to really hire growth hackers on demand is Growth Geeks. It's a great tool. I use it for my blog, for my images, to help with the podcast production. And I worked out a great deal with the founder because he was on the show. Go to growthgeeks.com forward slash the top to start a free trial right now. Again, growthgeeks.com forward slash the top. So what do you think? Let's talk about the revenue stuff because a lot of listeners right now, typically when I have guests on the show, we talk about revenue and numbers and they might be listening going, how did Ida raise $10 million on a no revenue company? This doesn't make any sense. And they might not understand just the power of growth and the power of influence that you guys have. So when do you think you might consider turning on the revenue kind of channel and how might you do that, do you think? Well, that is an ongoing conversation. I think part of that conversation is our thinking that all the things that we can do, we can do more powerfully when we have more users. Um, and since we have um, a group of investors that agree with us that this is a very, very exciting space and that we will eventually be able to make money, they have some patience and we have some patience in, in focusing on growth. So 
So the question of when to start doing that, we we don't have an answer for that yet. I'd say maybe within the next year, mm -hmm. I'll say something like that. Um, so our hope and belief is that we can create a native business model. So something that will add to the quality of the user experience. Um, so that people will open the app and be like, oh, now the app can also do this thing. That's cool. Okay, I have to pay a little bit for it, but I want to pay that because it is something that I care about versus having something like a an ad um, yep. in the app. That's um, great. And, 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 uh, and help us understand, I mean, you're as a CEO of the company, you're obviously having to kind of manage growth as well. How many team members do you guys have currently? We are 24 right now. Okay. So, yeah. so 24. And I mean, let's assume I'm, I'm going to make this up. I'm going to assume an average salary is like, you know, 80 or 90,000 US dollars, which means you're paying each one about 7k per month. So what's that come out to about about a hundred, like about 200,000 bucks a month in, in kind of burn just on headcount is something like that accurate. Yeah. Berlin is a little bit cheaper, but I mean, it's something of that magnitude. Yeah. Does that make you nervous? That would make me nervous as heck to just see, <laughs> even though you've raised capital. Um, does it make me nervous? No, it doesn't make me nervous because I can see that they are building what will enable us to raise our series B. Um, and I do believe that we will be successful in doing that. When do you think you know, you'll raise my, your series B? When do I think we'll do that? I don't know. We'll, you know, we'll start looking at it next year. We mm -hmm. don't have a date for that. Um, Fair um, enough. Fair enough. Yeah. We're going to add something else about your team. No. Okay, great. Well, Ida, we're about to get into my favorite part of the show. Do you know what's next? No. Ida, come on. You're supposed to like, you're supposed to have like prepared and read my email over you that I sent via email. It is time for the famous five. Are you ready for number one? Yes. Yes. Okay. No number one, Ida. What is your favorite business book? Uh, my favorite business book is Hard Things About Hard Things by Ben Horovich. My favorite line in that book is, if you're going to eat shit, don't nibble. <laughs> do you remember that one? <laughs> I do. Yeah, he has, a, he has a lot of good thoughts. I agree. Uh, okay, Ida, number two, is there a CEO that you're following or studying right now? You know, I was thinking about that question. And actually, the people that I tend to really learn from and get inspired by right now are people that I meet personally that are in leadership positions um people that i i can share notes with and be face to face with um so kind of real people doing doing kind of what i'm also doing um who was that last than, who was that last person Ida? So the, last okay. one, the last one was um vanessa lee Bush, I think her last name is uh -huh. um, so she is leading a co-working space in London and she's very young but she had a lot of kind of core raw intelligence and drive that I found really inspiring and she said yeah what we build in Berlin in two years we're now building in two months in London and I, I really like that energy and that drive and that ambition level she was very inspiring well that's amazing and we'll link guys we'll link to ida's site we'll link to the information everyone she mentions in the show notes at nathanladka.com forward slash the top one five four ida number three is there a favorite online tool you have like evernote i mean it gotta be slack i'm you know <laughs> i'm sure everybody mentions that but it really is helpful um pocket is also a favorite um and for collaboration, Trello is also a must-have. I, I realize that these are all very kind of knowns, but they they are very good. 
There you go. Okay, next question. Uh, Ida, yes or no? Are you getting eight hours of sleep every night? More or less, but you know, with two kids, all sleep is you pretty broken. two kids? Wow, how old are they? One and five. Oh my gosh, Ida, you are a beast. I love <laughs> it. That, that's a compliment, by the way. That's, that's a, definitely a compliment. Last question, Ida. Take us back to your 20-year-old self. What do you wish that she knew? You know, I have this philosophy or belief that every age has very specific strengths to it. There's something that only a five-year-old can do, that like a five-year-old has a special power, and every age has that special power. And when you're 20, you have a lot of the power that a 20-year-old have. And I think when you're younger, you kind of think, oh, when I get a little bit older, then I'll have more strength or more kind of... Um, internal power or something but actually when you look back you're like wow the 20 year olds they have a lot of (laughs) so i would say just go and you know unfold and go full force with your creative energy whatever age you have ida i love that from launching her own jewelry design company and then a motorcycle company then dropping all that to build hello clue fertilities app with well over three million monthly active users or soon to be monthly active users ida thank you for taking us to the top Thank you very much for having me. You bet. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday. If you guys enjoyed Ida today, go back right now and listen to Mark Gagner. He breaks down how to use friends money at an 8% annual interest rate to profit 500,000 for yourself. 